Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. I'm just curious, as, as folks belly on up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar in my basement, talk a little Pirates, 30 minutes of Pirates talk here on Bucks in the Basement. The Pirates, as we sit down right now, it's a Tuesday. Normally, the show would have been ready when you woke up in the morning, but yesterday was my birthday. I turned 45, and I just didn't want to do anything except just sit around and open presents and eat birthday cake and take the afternoon off, so I apologize for that. But the Pirates are currently sitting four games out of the wild card because so many teams get in, and six games out of first place. They're under 500 by four. They're sitting in third place. Here's my question to you. Is it more important to you that the Pirates play poorly to end up with a better chance at a very good draft pick this year because they're likely not going to the postseason? That would be like a miracle that you would make a movie about. Or... Do you want to see forward progress in how they finish this year? What what matters more to you? Well, I mean, you always kind of – I don't want to say you don't want to see your team, like, make the playoffs. If there would be a like, outside, you know, snowball's chance in hell that the Pirates make the playoffs this year, I'm obviously not going to grumble about it. And making progress is obviously important. But for me – it's where that progress comes from and if it's sustainable progress beyond this year. And it's something we've kind of been talking about, you know, as this season, I think you brought up at one point in time, you were going to bet me a case of beer. If, if Daniel Vogelback would have a higher batting average than Brian Reynolds, you know, starting June or July, I can't remember exactly when it was, but that's where like this kind of stuff where I would be like, okay, how did we make it there? Was Brian Reynolds still hitting in the 200s and Daniel Volgeback was still like around 300 and Marisnik is still out there making, you know, ridiculous catches, but Cabrian Hayes has like fallen off the map. Like that's where it would be for me is like, how would we get there? If we got there on the arm of, you know, a Zach Thompson, uh, Mitch Keller, Brubaker, who actually had, you know, even though it was like about four innings, had an okay, you know, outing. Zach Thompson, who went five innings with the flu, or God knows what he had, because he had to get fluids afterwards. You know, how is that happening? Would be more of the the grounds for me. If it's if it's on the young guys, if Chavis is hitting, Castillo's hitting, Jack Swinsky, who just hit a home run, if it's Hayes and Reynolds, if it's guys that I could see being a part of this team for the long haul, that's where kind of my focus is at. And and I do enjoy winning. And you have the Reds, even though, you know, the Reds took two or three from us and then toppled Milwaukee and look like, you know, world beaters at this, you know, juncture as we're sitting here. 
uh, and the Cubs, who you know we can easily beat and who are rebuilding as well. I mean, it's a tough question to ask, but like I said, it's it's kind of like how they get there. If they get there the right way, if you have Rowanzi coming up and performing well, Cody Bolton maybe, uh, and somebody else from AAA, like a, a, a Cal Mitchell or a Mason Martin or something, where those guys are the ones that are contributing, if it's not being held up by, I shouldn't say like old veterans, because you're going to need some of those guys when this team turns good. Ben Gamble is one of those guys right now that, you know, is on a big hit streak and and making catches and doing all kinds of stuff. You're going to need somebody out there as the third outfielder or the fourth outfielder or, you know, those those key pieces at some point in time. But it's all going to depend on how they would get there. First off, I think it would have been great if you would have taken that bet because Brian Reynolds is hitting 235 right now and Vogelbeck's hitting 250. And Reynolds with the 728 OPS to Vogelbeck 752. I don't even need halfway through the year. Uh, Reynolds will be better by Memorial Day at this point. And that's what I was trying to illustrate. You can't overreact to the first couple weeks of a season. And it's important, as you said, that Reynolds and Hayes and a lot of these guys that you're hoping are, are core pieces for years to come are doing well when you're winning. I, I get that point. That makes perfect sense. I'm right on board with that. When you bring up Ben Gamble, I think it's a part of an interesting discussion of, are there guys who are 30 years old like Ben Gamble? Are there guys that are a little bit older that you didn't really worry about, but now have shown you some consistency where you might want to sign him for a couple of years. He's only on a one-year deal right now. But like, get him get him something. Say, hey, man, we want you to be a pirate for a few years. Nothing that's going to like hamstring you. Nothing that's going to get in the way. But just to add a little bit of consistency. And worst case, if you get enough guys in the outfield, he's a very, very good option as a fourth outfielder. And so, like, those are the things that I, I'm kind of waiting to see what the Pirates are going to do. Because, we, you know, for years now, it's been, well, we've got a couple of core guys that are on their rookie deals. We could pretty much just just let go of anybody we want to because everybody's just basically on a one-year prove-it deal. But at some point, when do you build that this guy's going to be here for a few years, this guy's going to be here for a few years? I'd be fine with Gamble being a part of things for the next couple of years just because you have so many spots to fill. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Is there is there somebody on the team that you're like, well, this isn't a young guy, but it's a guy that I, I like. I like what I've seen since I got to the Pirates, and I wouldn't mind locking him in for two to three years, so at least I know that spot is filled while we're still figuring out all these other places in the lineup. Well, I, I think Gamble is, is probably at the top of that, and that's kind of why I mentioned him to, you know, in, in general, is just that, you know, this year making $1.8 million and had gotten dropped by the Guardians and and was picked up by the Pirates and, and is kind of, you know, he has to feel comfortable here because Pirates, like, have, like, it's like they're cult players. Do you know what I mean? Like, Ben Gamble fits the mold of those guys that fans just kind of go nuts over. He he you know, puts his body on the line, you know, goes on these streaks. And actually, it was fitting in pretty well at the top of the lineup. He's not a typical leadoff hitter, but he's the type of guy that that you would kind of lock down for that. I don't really see, you know, anybody else on there. I, I know, you know, before the show, we were talking about, you know, how before the season, we were talking about if Jose Quintana would be Trevor Cahill, or if he would be Tyler Anderson. And right now he's 
he's leaning more towards that Tyler Anderson. And, you know, I was just like, Chris, you know, would you, would you lock him up for like another couple years? Or should we have done that with maybe Tyler Anderson, seeing that the pitching staff isn't coming along, you know, as, as quickly as we would hope and guys aren't like really grasping on to, you know, any starting role. I mean, other than Quintana, you know, Thompson's had a few good outings. Keller, of course, you know, you jinxed him, Chris, because as soon as you mention a pitcher's doing well, you're like, oh, I have faith in Zach Thompson. He throws a stinker. <laughs> you're like, I have faith in Mitch Keller. He has, like, another bat. But I, know. I, I still, st- I still I think know. there's there's progress. I, I do see Keller being maybe not. And that's where I think people may need to kind of reel it in a little bit. Keller always had that ace attachment to it. Maybe just start to think of him as a number five guy with an ERA around like four point five or five by the end of the year. No, oh, that sucks. And, and though. Ma- That's not what you wanted. I know, and it's not what you wanted, but maybe put him in that perspective. And I don't know, it, things might start to look better. But then in the outfield here now, we've got Marisnik. You got Sawinski playing. Who's I want to see him get some more run. But all those guys like Swaggerty. You know, Smith and Jigba that you thought were going to be getting shots are are struggling right now. And anybody outside of Cal Mitchell, like, who's going to be your outfield outside of Reynolds if you don't maybe lock up a gamble and then have a third and fourth outfielder? Well, I know, I know we were talking, people didn't get to hear when we were like flipping out all the equipment and stuff. And we, you did ask me, Jose Quintana. My initial reaction was, nah, he's 33 years old. What do you got to lock him up for? On the other hand, I, I, I think I was a little bit too quick to say that because. Well, here's the thing. I wouldn't lock him up now. I wouldn't say early in the season I've seen enough from Jose Quintana that I want to give him a two- or three-year deal, right? And say, hey, we want you to finish here as a pirate. We want you to be part of this rotation because we have so many holes in the rotation. Because I don't think anybody's going to be rushing out to try to get Jose Quintana if you wait <laughs> a couple of months and then make a decision like, hey, you see how you had some struggles? You got here, you feel comfortable. If you'd like to stay here and continue to be comfortable, we'd like to give you this amount of money, and then you have some security after a few years of no security. I think you can make that decision later on in the year, especially if you're you're looking at what teams are offering in terms of trade for Quintana. If he continues to pitch the way he's pitching right now, he's got a 1.20 whip. His FIP is fielding independent pitching is 3.68. His ERA plus is 147. His ERA is 2.70. He's gone out there and he's giving you six starts and 30 innings, which means he's averaging five innings a game. He's not a world beater, but he's somebody that when you become competitive, if that window opens in two years, he's 35 years old. And there are some 35-year-old pitchers who are pretty good. And he had a really nice stretch for many, many years before the wheels kind of came off. Guys can put it back together sometimes. So what I would say is I wouldn't rule out signing a Jose Quintana with so many question marks as to who are your five starters when you finally make your run and who are in all these different positions when you finally make your run. There's so many question marks that I would not be opposed for this team to go out and say, we'd like to sign you and we'd like to hold on you for a few years because he doesn't need to be the ace when it comes time to compete, but he could definitely be a veteran presence on your ball club that's able to give you a lot more than what you have right now, even a couple of years from now. So let's let's give him a couple of months. If he's still doing what he's doing right now at the end of June or into July, then I'm going to be sitting there telling you, sign the guy. Lock him up for a couple of years. You have so many other questions. You might as well keep that veteran in your rotation. 
unless somebody's giving you something really good in a trade that you're like this this is going to be a difference maker for our franchise yeah and in the conversation we were having i mean i, I brought up the the return for tyler anderson and that's where like i mean you never know exactly who do we get how for him? who do we get for him again we got uh catcher carter bins who was batting i think he's batting around 140 in altoona but got bumped up to triple a which they're saying, John Baker. This is the funniest thing ever, Chris. He's he's basically he's he's player development. He's he's the head of the the minor leagues. He's got like a cool new title, but he's just basically the you know he's the GM of the of the minor leagues in my eyes. But he is saying all of these promotions were based on merit. Henry Davis promoted to Altoona. That was absolutely on merit. Tearing the cover off the ball, you know, young stud hitter. So he's going to have to get some playing time at catcher. Altoon has Blake Sable, who's playing above his skis right now and, and has actually been in there for Ca Carter Bins. Carter Bins has been, like, pretty much non-existent, but he's going up to AAA now. God, hopefully he turns it around, or if it's on merit, it has to be on his glove. And we got Joaquin Tejada, who right now is probably going to be in the FCL, I'm guessing, DSL. Right. He was in the, he was in the DSL last year, so it's like a a very raw, you know, pitcher, so it's a lottery ticket and a guy you were hoping to be possibly the backup catcher for Henry Davis, who hasn't really turned out to be anything since he's bumped up to Double A even last year with Seattle. So that's where you're like having to weigh stuff is if somebody's saying I'll give you such and such for you know your Quintana like if it's a good deal but you don't if he's pitching well it's like okay I, I might believe more in that because of his track record and him not pitching well because of you know injuries and stuff as opposed to how is this you know DSL lottery ticket going to play out well that's the thing if that kind of return is all you're getting for Quintana and he continues what he's doing right now then I would not want that return. I'd rather see if I could sign him, you know, two years with an option year or, you know, a base contract where if he hits a certain amount of innings, which means that you are happy with him and that's why he got those innings, it kicks in another year in there. But it's not a very long one if he, you know, comes back the next year and it's like, well, that was that was a light bulb getting bright before it went out. I don't think that's the case with him. He was always a very talented pitcher. He's just a guy that, like, he, if you don't know the Jose Quintana story, the simplest way to put it is, first he was a guy who played for the Chicago White Sox who was lights out on a team that never seemed to be able to score runs for him. He lost everything like two to one, three to two. It was just like the bad luck pitcher, but he had this incredible whip and he was so dominant while he was out there and he just never got any platitudes. And this was for many years because of the fact that the team just never seemed to want to score any runs for him. They, it, it was an offensive issue instead of a Jose Quintana issue. And then they flip him when they start their rebuild. And that's why they had to start a rebuild because they, they weren't scoring any runs to the Cubs who are trying to go out and, and win another World Series. And they give Aloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease, and which is, I mean, that was a, that was a robbery when you look at what Quintana did because Quintana moves in with the Cubs. It's a different home ballpark in Wrigley Field. A couple of things just didn't match up very well for him. There was an awful lot of pressure because people were angry about that trade. I mean, those are two teams in the same town making a deal with each other. There was a lot of pressure there, 
and he did not perform the same way he had with the White Sox when he went to the Cubs. And then what happens is he starts bouncing around. I want to say he went to the Angels. I want to say there's a point where he ends up being a relief pitcher. It was like people lost faith in him. And now here he is at 33 years old. And the only thing that really happened to him is he went from being dominant where people expected him to be a one or a two to being a very serviceable four or five guy. And then because of that drop off, it was like he got just forgotten. And now he gets a chance to be reborn here in Pittsburgh and it's early. I mean, again, six games, 30 innings, a lot can change between now and July. We all know I give the kiss of death to pitchers. I'm the one who's like, <laughs> Zach Thompson, I put him on my fantasy team. Sucked. Okay. And Mitch Keller, I'm, I'm seeing these things here. Maybe we should be positive about him. Boom. Like an explosion goes off. Like I am the death of pitchers. So me talking about Jose Quintana, I can almost guarantee he gives up 10 runs in his next start. Almost guarantee it. All right. And we won't be talking about this. But if he continues what he's doing. I would not be opposed when I see pitchers like Merrill Kelly, who's 37 years old, pitching his brains out right now for the Arizona Diamondbacks. There are so many of these guys that, you know, have had a down year here or there and people forget about them. And they're 37, 38, still in the majors, and they're still able to bring it. If Jose Quintana all of a sudden is, te- if, if you, if your medical physician, if your physicians can look at him and say, I don't know. It looks like he's in pretty good shape for his age. We don't see any real issues. He's comfortable there. You can sign him the two years and an option. What is your payroll right now? You could you could figure out a deal for this guy, and then you have one less spot to fill. So, like I, I I'm telling you right now, you get to the end of June, beginning of July, especially if the return is what you just described for the last time we had a player like that. I instead of taking that return, we try to sign the pitcher and fill one of these holes because you have way too many of them in your rotation and a lot of question marks, far more question marks than most teams this far into a rebuild normally have. You should answer at least one of them. If he's not your ace, fine. He could be your four, but you you need to find arms you can rely on. Yeah, you got to start plugging holes at some point in time. And I don't know, Ben Sherrington doesn't seem to have too much like, you know, forethought when it comes to making decisions, Chris. And that's kind of what worries me. I, I don't know I, if I, I agree like, with that. I see. I don't know if I agree with that. I think he's got a plan, and it's not the same plan as what the traditional baseball fan thinks it is. I'm not saying he's right, but I think he's one of these guys that's modeling his plan close to what the Rays do, similar yeah. to what the 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 Oakland A's do, because he has an owner like that. He yeah. has a budget like that, so it's not what we want. Like, I mean, if we're in a video game, we do this differently, right? If we, oh, had, if we had a similar budget or we knew that our owner would step up when the team needed it and infuse money into this and bring this team at least into the top 20 or top 15 in payroll, then you would sit there and say, all right, this is how I want to do it. I think he's operating under the under the assumption that that's not how it's going to work. So he's got a that's why he picks up every journey, man. That's why Josh Van Meter's out there playing catcher. Okay, I mean, like, that's that's why. That's why, because he's got to try everything right now. He's trying to keep a Major League Baseball team together with, you know, sticks and glue. He's like he's like the general manager of the Cleveland Indians in the first Major League movie. Like, that's what he is right now. So I, yeah. I don't know. I, that might be a little harsh on him. That might be a little harsh on him. I think he does have forethought, and I think that's what changes his decisions because when he looks ahead, he goes, well, I don't know how much more money I'm going to have. I have a good idea of where it'll be when I get to my peak, and it isn't going to be normal. That's what I think. 
Yeah, and I think where where I'm going is I just a little bit more frustrated on on what's going on currently is that you know, we talked about god the entire off season and I kept on bringing it up and I'm like should I keep on bringing this up as to having like a backup catcher because they put so much like faith and everything into Roberto Perez and talked him up as to how important he was for the pitchers and and I was you know, I was hurt that, that Stallings got traded because I love Stallings. And then I finally came around to Perez and it was like, you know what? He has been around some good pitchers in Cleveland and young guys. And, you know, he's going to make this, you know, this staff better and he's going to bring guys in. But in the back of my mind, I was always still worried, you know, Roberto Perez, I- injury prone. Like, and I hate to say injury, prone, but he has. He, he, he was a backup for a while. And then he got one year where he was able to be, you know, the guy and and he did it pretty well. And then it's just like, well, got a thumb, got a shoulder. And this time he's just running around second base and he goes down and has to crawl back into second base. And I'm like, oh, my dear God. And then they come out and they say, oh, it's a hamstring. And I'm like, OK, well, if, if it's a bad hamstring, you know, Greg Allen's been out for he's on the 60 day IL with a hamstring. You know, but and then they come out and they're like, it's a severe hamstring injury. I, I don't know if we're going to see him the rest of the year. And I'm just thinking to myself, now we have Michael Perez, who does what Michael Perez does, which is hit a couple home runs in his first two games up and makes everybody, you know, jump for joy. Because what people may forget about Michael Perez last year, because they'll look and see Michael Perez had a, I think it was like a 143 batting average. But they'll look and see... Michael Perez had seven home runs last year in like 30 hits, which is absolutely hysterical. And then you have Andrew Knapp, who got thrown out of the game prior like prior to the injury, which made Josh Van Meter go back and try to hone his catching skills from high school. But now you have Andrew Knapp and Michael Perez, who I'm pretty sure last year, the pitchers didn't really like throwing to Michael Perez. <laughs> they wanted Stallings. So you'd probably think they would want Roberto Perez, not Michael Perez, and now they have Michael Perez and Andrew Knapp. Well, here's the thing. What you're seeing is the lack of depth at a position because a team has a lot of holes and a lot of question marks and has essentially started over. I mean, you keep saying, well, it's not a rebuild. It is. It's a rebuild. And it was basically tearing things down to the studs. And so an injury like this, at this point, you don't have a lot that's coming up. That's why you see those those promotions right now at catcher, Craig. And they know that they don't have very much depth there and they don't have guys that are really prepared. If they start to feel like, hey, wait a minute, we might it might be time to make that move because we really don't have very much behind that position. That could be also an influence on the decision. Here's the thing with me. When they traded Stallings and they went with this group of catchers, I remember saying it myself. Well, I mean, you basically I mean, none of these guys are at that level. So for if you're expecting like like a plus improvement, whether it be defense or handling of pitchers or offense or whatever, you're 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 sadly mistaken. You downgraded at that because of whatever plan that you have. And and again, it goes to what is the timeline? When is the plan? I would imagine that Henry Davis getting to the majors is like the when he gets here, that's when we intend to get going. You know, I mean, it's almost like it's almost like there's a billion pieces out there of this thing and you're trying to bring it all together at the exact same time and catch a little lightning in a bottle. 
And again, it goes back to because of the budget and the way that the team has to operate. And, and so you're going to have these issues when this happens. There's a reason why you're four games under 500. And I can sit here with great confidence and go, well, this team isn't going to go to the playoffs. So it doesn't matter where they end in the standings like I did at the beginning of the show. And most rational fans will not get upset with me for saying that because they'll be like, yeah, I've, I've come to accept that as well. You're talking about catchers that are not part of this, I think, when it ends. You know, I mean, we talk about the fact that, like, I could see Gamble having a role in a couple of years. I could see Jose Quintana having a role in a couple of years if you get to a point later on in the season where he's still performing at where he is right now. But there's an awful lot of guys still on this team that are not part of this when it starts going. Okay, unfortunately, because we've been saying that now for a couple of years, and that's frustrating. Because it really should have moved quicker. And you could say, well, the shortened season and, you know, all this, there were all these little, these hiccups and they prevented it. But you've also had guys that have come up that were highly touted prospects or people that you expected to contribute that have not been able to just get going, have not been able to just walk in and go. A lot of rebuilding teams, man, you get a guy who comes up, he, he walks out on the field and he just goes. Now, the Pirates have had that with one guy. They've had that with Cabrian Hayes in, in recent years. When he came up, he went. And he was a little disappointing last year, and he's back this year, and he's going. You need more of that, okay? You can't just have that be the only guy that shows up, and he's ready to play, and he makes an impact on your team. Yeah, because I think that's what we saw happen way too often before the Neil Huntington era. Is it wasn't like the Pirates didn't have good players. They just didn't have enough good players. And that's what it kind of reminds me of to a degree right now. And like we said, it's May. And, you know, we don't know how exactly, you know, people are going to turn out. I mean, I, I, I do what every Pirate fan does, and I pull up Jacob Stallings' stats to, to kind of see how he's doing to make him make myself feel better a little bit. His negative 2B war is, is making me happy at this point in time. But I'm also not happy that, you know, that Roberto Perez is hurt, and now, you know, that could – that's going to – have a negative effect on the team. I mean, it's going to have to, unless, you know, Michael Perez and Andrew Knapp have career years. It's going to, but like you said, it's in the long term. Anybody who was put in that spot, and even if Jacob Stallings was still here, it's a stopgap for Henry Davis. And Henry Davis, I think we all know, and I hope this happens, the bat should play. I mean, Henry Davis, elite hitting player in college, you know, in a good conference. Uh, We see Nick Gonzalez struggling right now. It's kind of my train of thought is he's not doing so well this year. But it it kind of seems, we'll see how he does in Altoona, that he could be along that lines. It's when the catching catches up. But he may have like one or two years before robo-umps are in anyway. So I'm more worried about the bat. And having a another solid player, like you said, to to compliment somebody come up and hit the ground running, at least with a bat like Cabrian Hayes. Yeah, I mean, don't forget you're waiting on guys. You're you're waiting on things that are that are not here yet that you're hoping will get here, and you're hoping that it, you know they get a hit rate of like three out of four of them actually turn out to be real major league baseball players that contribute to your team. Your your catcher for your run is still sitting down in Double A. Okay. Uh, you know, Nick Gonzalez is still sta- is still waiting around, and your hope is that he works his way up and he is a, he's a middle infielder for you. Okay, you're still waiting on O'Neill Cruz, who, who's struggling early in the minor leagues. 
to get here and be a part of this team. You're still trying to figure out who the three outfielders, and let's be honest, four, and that's why we're talking about Gamble as somebody that maybe eases some pressure in trying to find the right combination of players. You're trying to figure out Brian Reynolds, how long will he be on this team? Will you be able to extend him? And then when you look at your pitchers, you know, you have to figure out. Bullpen's like the easiest thing to figure out when your team gets good. You can go buy bullpen. You can go find arms, okay? If you can't figure that out, you shouldn't be a GM in Major League Baseball. But when when you look at your starting rotation right now, again, this is why we go, well, Jose Quintana's pitching really well because you you earlier in this show suggested Mitch Keller may only be a five pitcher in your rotation. Ugh, that's not good. <laughs> it's not, not good, good at enough, all. Man. I mean, I know, you, I know you've thrown all of your uh, your chips in the into uh, Roanzi because uh, uh, you went and you traded for him in fantasy baseball this week. Which was which was brilliant. I mean, like, this was like a Craig move. He made like a multiplayer deal just because he wanted to get in his mind now the best pitching prospect uh, on the Pirates, the guy he has faith in because he has to have faith in somebody who can take the hill. Yeah, I thought it was a fair. I thought it was a pretty fair trade to begin with. He actually offered me that without, and then I tossed in. I said, "I'll take that trade if you give me Rowanzi." So I love how you did that. You poached the guy who's not a Pirates fan who didn't even know who he was. That's what the best part is. Like you, you poke somebody in another part of the country that's not paying attention to to pirates prospects. Man, this team really needs to pay off for your fantasy baseball. They do. They really do. <laughs> if not for the fans in Pittsburgh, just do it for Craig's fantasy team. Which is now, I believe, 0-4 or 0-3 and like the worst team. Well, uh, as the pirates go, so does the explosion. <laughs> now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day.